Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Grab your Bibles. Let's get into the Word of God this Sunday morning and let's get into the series. The series is He's Greater Than Me. Turn to somebody and tell them He's Greater Than Me. He is greater than me. I know throughout the years there's one thing I have learned that God is able when I'm not able to. God can when I can't. God will when I won't. But God is always going to be there for you and as long as we can recognize who he is, what he's done, and what he desires to do. John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. We're going to be reading out of the New King James Version here this Sunday morning. And so, this portion of scripture has been one of the key scriptures on direction for the church, really. It's when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment that God's ever given? And and so he begins to convey the message and tells them this scripture. Verse 12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. Will you say with me, greater love? Greater love love is the expression of someone who has completely laid down their own desires, their own wants, their own will for the sake of you prospering in your life. So greater love is something that Jesus did for all of us. Now, he literally laid down his life. He died for us. We know that, right? He gave his life for us. And, and so when you read this, he goes on further and he says, um, again, greater love has no man than this, that, than to lay down his life for, one's, uh, for his friends. And then he said, you are my friends. Now he's putting it in a different context. He said, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you. So he's not really telling us, I want you to go and die for me. What he's really telling us, I want you to go and live for me. I want you to go and live for me. But he says, if you do what I say or whatever I command, then you are my friend. And he said, greater love has no man than that. So he's asking us to lay down our life and live for him. Somebody said this one time, I could, I'll, I'll, die, I'll die for you or I'll, I'll die to, for the cause. More importantly than dying, I think God wants us to live for the cause. So we're going to talk about that concept today and try to understand what greater love is. I believe this ought to be the driving motive and purpose behind our 21 days of fasting. And by the way, hold your breath. Take a deep breath. Are you ready? The fasting begins tomorrow. That's awesome. Well, okay, this side was okay. The amen corner. Everybody else like, oh, my God, is that tomorrow? Let me make it easy for you. Just no meat and no sugar. That's it. And if that's too hard for you, then no red meat and no sugar just to participate. Listen, if all you can do is no sugar, then do it with us. If you want to do a full Daniel's fast, then do it with us. We will be giving you, if you have the app, 
make sure that you have notifications on so you'll get directions. We're going to give you an outline to what fasting is, teach you the different types of fasting, and give you all the information for it. All we're asking you to do is participate with us somehow, some way. And starting tomorrow at noon, we talked about times. The morning service actually said that they would really prefer the, the noon time. But starting tomorrow, if you can throw the number up, we are starting a prayer hotline where all you do is call in at 12 o'clock every Monday through Friday at 12 o'clock. Type in the pat, put in your code number. We're going to put this online on Facebook. So if you don't have Facebook, write it down quickly. Somebody get a number. Somebody take a picture. Uh, come and ask us. We'll give you the number Monday through Friday, the noon time at 12. All you got to do is call that number, put in your code, and we're gonna, you're going to hear me praying with people, giving a, a little word, and simply leading us in prayer and agreement for that day and for this whole fasting season. Listen, how many of you have ever prayed with somebody on the phone and you felt God's spirit? God has no respect of technology or boundaries. So for some of you that feel like you can't make prayer meetings, guess what? We brought the prayer meeting to you now. So we're going to pray together every day at noon, 12 o'clock. How many of you are excited about that? I think that's cool. So anyhow, one more time, somebody say, God bless this meal. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated this Sunday morning. So we know that We know that there is different, different ways that we show love. I mean, not everybody loves the same. Some people love by action. Some people love by words. Some people love by serving, um, service. But ultimately, believe it or not, everyone has the capacity to love. Or everyone surely has the ability to be loved. No greater love than the love of God in our lives. No greater love. Um, without God, we wouldn't know love. I don't think you, are, you and I are capable of really loving uh, without God. That's what I feel. That's, that's what I know. Because I thought I knew love before I met God. And when I experienced the love of God in my life, the things became different for me. Um, when I experienced God, do you remember the first time you experienced God? Do you remember how he changed your, your thinking and your heart and the way you perceive things, how you see things? There's something powerful about his presence that he causes you to see things in a different light or act a certain way, change your actions. And when I found out that God ultimately desires us to become more like him, then I had to make a choice. I was either going to follow the love that I started to feel in my life or I was going to start following after my own love for things or people. So I had to make a choice. Was I going to live or was I going to die? When you say, you know what, I'm going to die, then, then we all, no one wants to die, Right? If I told you we're going through 21 days of fasting to die, then how many people are going to want to sign up for that? I don't think hardly anybody. 
But if I told you that, that the 21 days of fasting, uh, we're going to become more like him. Uh, we're going to feel what he feels and experience what he experiences. And, hey, we're going to go on 21 days of fasting and prayer just to, just to make him greater than, than, than what he is right now in our life. And we're going to see the blessings of God come in. And we're going to get aligned up with him. And we're going to just see God's favor fall in our lives. And God's actions just flow through us. And things begin to happen. And if I told you that committing to God and getting consistent with God would bring blessings into your life, you would be more apt to follow God. But if I told you this, but if I told you this instead, that, that rather we're going to do this so we can grow in the love of God and feel the love of God and begin to love like he loves, if you understood that, then you would be more apt to follow and more excited to pursue after him because there is a peace and there is a comfort and there is a wisdom and there's just this sense of security when you feel the love of God in your life. There, it changes you. It changes your, your perspective and your attitude and, and all that you are. So, so essentially what, what he was trying to tell the disciples in this, this verse of John 15, he was trying to tell them, listen, greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life. And if you're my friend, you're going to obey my commandments and follow after me, and you're going to do what I say. So you have to deny your own desires and follow after mine. So you're going to die, and you're going to live. You're going to live to die. That's an, oxym that's an oxymoron, right? Kind of like jumbo shrimp, right? <laughs> it's kind of like act naturally. You ever tell anybody that? Just act natural. Can you act and be natural? It's kind of, it's kind of like going uh, saying to the techie, uh, Microsoft works. Microsoft, well, uh, virtual reality, that's a big thing right now. Virtual reality. Oxymorons. There's some things that don't, you know, make any sense. Hurry up and be quiet. Hurry up and be still. That's Latino phrases out there. Mexicans say, hurry up and be quiet. It don't make any sense. Hurry up and stand still. I think that many times we begin to think about God, many people get confused because of the Bible jargon, if you will. Because of what the scripture tells us. I found that throughout the years, a lot of people don't want to live for God because they're afraid of dying, afraid of what they have to give up. And when you look at things that way from that perspective, then you won't do anything and you won't have excitement in your life. But the greater cause has to be a relationship with Jesus Christ to get to know him, to feel him, to experience him. So I believe it takes more to live for something than it does to die for something. Peter made this uh, great declaration and he said, Lord, no one's ever going to take you and crucify you, and I'm going to stand by your side. I'm going to be right there with you, Lord. And then the Lord Jesus turns around and rebukes him and tells him, get behind me, Satan. And then poor Peter, when the time came and they came to get Jesus, when they came to get him, he took a sword and he cut off the ear to the servant to the high priest. 
And then, then Jesus said, Peter, put the sword down. They that live by the sword are going to die by the sword. And he took the ear, put it back on the servant of the high priest, and healed him. And really what the Lord wanted Peter to do was simply live for him and deny himself, not die for him. What good are you if you die for him? You're much more valuable if you live for him. When you get to heaven, let's just be honest with each other. When we get to heaven, there are no souls to win. There are no sicknesses to pray for. There are n there's not a church to build when we get over there. The work is done. But while we are here, we need to see God work in our life and realize that this is where it matters. This is where it counts. This is where God's trying to take us to. But throughout the years, I've also seen that God blesses motive and spirit. Why are you doing the things that you do? What's your cause? What's your drive? Jesus tried to put this in proper perspective and said, hey, follow me. Do what I've asked you to do. And here's the confusion. Anyone who follows me, he said, pick up their cross and come after me. Well, that sounds like a contradiction also, but it's not. He was simply trying to tell them, you can live a life that's committed and devoted to me by denying your own desires and wills, but it's hard to do that on your own, folks. How many times have we said to ourselves, Lord, if you'll just forgive me this one time, I'll never do it again. I'm glad we got one honest person in the house. I wish we'd start being real with each other instead of me making all the confessions up here. People are like, I don't want to go to that church. That pastor has a lot of problems, always confessing himself. How many times have you made a promise to God and failed? How, I mean, how many times have we said to God, okay, Lord, um, if you'll just get me out of this problem, if you'll get me out of it, I'll never get in this problem again. I'll never get back in the same situation. And then three months later, Lord, I know I said this last time, but I mean it right now, God. That's what happened to Peter. Peter even said that I would die for you, but yet even when he was around the campfire and everyone looked at him and said, aren't you one of his disciples? He couldn't even live for him. He was more willing to die for him at that one moment and take the sword and just take the plunge, but he couldn't live for God without God empowering him. Later on, you find the history of Peter, and you'll see his steps. It wasn't long after that that Peter came and preached the greatest message to the church age in Acts chapter 2. But it was after he had been empowered with something greater. His cause changed. The intimidation he had in his life, the fear factor was gone. Now he wasn't afraid to deal with not just a few, but many. So Peter was a great example. So we look at this and we think to ourselves, how can this happen? Let me encourage you and let me tell you the secret today. The secret is, is it takes one desire to get rid of another desire. It takes one passion to exchange with another passion. Takes one relationship to substitute another relationship and get rid of a bad one, embrace a good one. It takes ultimately the love of God to come into our life 
through a relationship with God to make everything else seem little and minute. It is amazing when God comes into our life and we feel the love of God and we feel God's presence, how every mountain that was right in front of us now becomes the size of a molehill just because greater is he that's inside of us than that mountain that's in front of us. God's perspective changes everything. And when you start to feel what he feels and get connected the way you need to be connected with no distractions, nothing in the way. Fasting, number one, fasting brings faster results. The reason why fasting breeds faster results is because fasting removes the internal, internal, not eternal, internal objects, roadblocks, rocks in your will, attitude, feelings, emotions, whatever you want to call them, we all have them. And, and, and when we feed that inner man or the flesh, the old man, when we feed the old man, he gets bigger and bigger and does nothing more than restricts God's desire and God's will. But when God and we feed him, the spirit man inside of us, when the, when the Holy Ghost, when the spirit of God inside of us is nurtured, is fed, is constantly developed, then there is a flow and he dominates inside of you and begins to dominate outside of you. But the quickest way I've found to minimize the struggle or that, that, that old nature is by starving it out. By starving it out and, and, and knowing that you can say no to anything. Would you like to see what your hang-ups are? Boy, I tell you, you want me to tell you? Can I show you how to find out what your hang-ups are? If you're, hung, if you're hung up on Netflix, oh, man, <laughs> tell yourself, I'm not going to watch that for three days. <laughs> if, you're hung, if you're hung up on hamburgers, pizza, bread, tell yourself, you're not going to have that for seven days. Whatever it is you are accustomed to doing and having, if you can deny yourself and you get angry, there it is. You found it. Now you know. See, but what we should really get concerned about is, even though he said he'd never leave us or forsake us, even, even David prayed, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. What should really get us motivated was if we, don't, if we ever lost the sensitivity of God's spirit in our life. We ought to be like, no, 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 no. I need to hear your voice. I need to feel your presence. I need you every day. 
Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I can't even think without you giving me your thoughts. The right kind of thinking, God. I can think, but I know how I used to think. But Lord, I have been blessed because you've changed my thinking. So Lord, I need you to help me. Give me the right heart, the right desire. You gave me wisdom. You gave me opportunities. So Lord, I've tasted and seen that you're good. And I promise you, all you've got to do is taste him one time and you're going to be hooked. You're going to be addicted to him. That's how drug addicts get off of their addictions, and alcoholics get off of their addiction. They taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Can I get an amen from somebody? They taste and see how good he is, and it becomes addicted. You can get addicted to his wisdom as well. You can get addicted to his love. Let me remember that old song, Addicted to the Love. got to be addicted to him, addicted to, to him, and greater love has no man than this, but fasting, throw the point back up there, fasting is the quickest way to break your fallow ground up or to break you up. It's hard to say, I'm going to do this and do that and try to do it by self-will, guys. But the easiest way to do it is by simply denying yourself food. Certain foods. See, some of you getting mad at me right now. I see it. Some of you getting mad at me right now. Don't you dare touch my desserts. I can tell me what to eat. I ain't giving up my homemade tortillas. Carne quesada. Arroz con pollo. Oh, Lord Jesus. There's a lot of food, there's a lot of appetites. That simple little act, it ties into every other thing in your life. So that one desire, you know why they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach? Because when his appetite is fulfilled and you can cook a good meal, that didn't work for me, but I mean, it just, I, I was in love with my wife. I was in love with her looks. <laughs> Talk to me, baby. It, I don't know. I didn't never understood that. But anyhow, <laughs> but they say it. Now, my mother-in-law had to cook some good meals, and I, she won my heart. But because it touches the desires, and that one desire is connected to a lot of desires in your life. So God gave us wisdom. If you'll do this one thing. Let, let me move on because I, I, I'm, I'm kind of messing around a little bit. But fasting breaks down the walls in your life, the walls of depression. You starve out depression through fasting because it brings clarity to your spirit, brings clarity to your heart. It dissipates fear, gets rid of anger by substituting anger, replacing anger with the love of God. When you begin to starve out yourself, through prayer, you'll begin to replace it. But here's, here's what Jesus said. Inside of you, if you can just imagine, if you are a conduit, if you're a flow, if you're, if you're a pipe that's just there for the flow of God, but you put a obstruction inside of these pipes, inside of your being, inside of your vessel, uh, how many of you, it's common sense. The more junk you have in there, 
the less flow you're going to have. Is that right? So, so whenever you fast, you're getting rid of some of that. So some of you have a prayer life. Some of you have a relationship with God, and you're seeing God move, but you're not seeing God work at the full capacity, at the full capacity that he wants to flow in. So you're only getting results according to the flow in your life. So this is what Jesus said. Mark chapter 9, verse 25, verse 29 said this. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one that was dead, so that they said, many said, he is dead. He is dead. Now, this is Jesus dealing with the person who had a demonic spirit in his life, and the disciples tried to cast out the demon. They could not do it. They were there all day. Laying hands on this, that poor boy, I don't know, he probably went through more torment than praying for him than he did the devil, taking him through his circumstance. That's, that's tough. You ever been at an old school church when everybody grabbed a hold of you and cast, they, you didn't have a devil, but they thought you did because of your self-will and you're hard-headed? How many of you grew up in old school church like that? I mean, you were scared for mama to take you up to the altar. Mama took you up to the altar Oh, the elders grab a hold of you. Mama, the church grab a hold of you. All of a sudden, they laid hands on you, and they're yelling at you, grab on, let go, grab on, let go, let God. Come on now. That poor young boy, he probably got it that day. Then here comes Jesus. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, in verse 27, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Jesus had done both. And when he came, there was no restrictions in his life. God, the Father, was simply guiding him, directing him, leading him. And when he came to the young man, that was God's cause, that he sent his only begotten son to the world to set the captives free. And love is what moved in the life of Christ to go to that young man. When you're motivated by love, Jesus came to lay down his life and to give his life, to seek and to save them that were lost. But he only had that mindset because of his relationship with the Father. But any time the time had come for Jesus to step out and be effective, the scripture says in some places that when Jesus came to the sick, he healed them all. He healed every single one of them. There wasn't one devil that Jesus couldn't deal with. There wasn't one person that Jesus couldn't heal and set free. There wasn't one circumstance that was too difficult for Jesus to handle because he had no restrictions. And the restrictions and the obstruction that's in our life, that's what the devil uses. But you see, here's, here's the one thing we got to take note of. When those restrictions, whether it be fear... 
whatever it may be, anxiety, confusion, just carnality. You know what carnality is? It's the thinking in the heart of human beings void the presence of God. Void of his presence and his word. Even his word. When carnality is mixed with the word, it becomes religion. When a spirit-filled mind is mixed with the word, it becomes kingdom. It becomes the will of God. Because it is infused by the nature of God. It is infused by the love of God. The proper attribute needed to approach every problem. It Love, I'm telling you. And, and this is why Jesus said, Satan hath nothing in me. He couldn't use anything or slow down anything or, or stop the, 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 the anointing in his life. <laughs> Jesus denied him in the, in the forest, in the, in the wilderness of temptation and told him. He said, I, I can't, I'm not going to give in to the riches. I'm not going to give in to your food. I'm, not, I'm hungry, but I'm not that hungry. I'm not going to bow to you. And he gave him the word, and he overcame, but he came out with power. But he said that because Satan hath nothing in him, he can't stop him. When God is in your life flowing freely, and you have decreased, he has increased, nothing can stop anything God wants to do in your life. No one can stop it. No spirit can stop it. This is why, this is why we fast. We fast, and, and I know you're looking at me right now. It like, doesn't look like you fast. I fast. I fast. That sounds like a. <laughs> I, I, okay, I'm gonna get back on. All right. This is why we fast. Does your family around you need to be set free, but they can't, and you pray, and you're not seeing any results? Maybe it's because there's some obstruction in there. Maybe because uh, there's other things that you care about more than seeing that happen. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just stating the facts. The fact is we care about ourselves and care about other things more than we do care about seeing people set free or seeing the kingdom grow or, or, or seeing your family uh, I mean, when your greatest desire is to see the will of God in your life and you comply to that, I'm going to tell you something. That's all God needs. He just needs your will to conform to his will. He needs your desires to conform to his desires. And the only way to do it is by fasting and prayer. Prayer brings in, let, let me give you this, point number two, prayer brings greater love. Prayer is essentially the connection between humanity and deity. It's where we interact with God, and, we, and you can't limit yourself. Don't ever knock anyone else's experience. If you came to Covenant Life Center and somebody told you before you came here, be careful, they're a bunch of tongue talkers, they were right. But if they made you feel like it's of the devil or it, was, it isn't for today or they're preaching heresy, they're wrong. And anybody that tries to tell me different, they're just a little bit too late. Because after praying in the spirit and that experience in my life, it made me a better husband. I felt more of the love of God in my life. 
I became a better daddy. I started thinking like him, and favor came in my life, and God started blessing me with opportunities, and he started making things happen. And, and so don't ever limit your experience with God. God always has more. You just lack knowledge, and somebody needs to teach you about this. It's in the Bible. So ask God, Lord, show me. If it's for me, I want to see it. And then you talk to him. And then you go to him, not with him with the intention for him to answer a prayer or to meet your need. The biggest secret I've learned thus far of living for God has been go to God and pray to him and love on him just because he is who he is. I go to prayer now just because I want to love him and I want to feel his love and I want to see what his needs are. And I go and ask him, Lord, what are your needs? What do you have need of today? I can give you all that I've got right here, God. Move on me. Tell me what's your desire. Tell me who I need to pray for today. Tell me. And I pray for all of you. And sometimes I forget your names, but I pray on you and say, God, you know who they are. God, you know them better than I do. You know where they're at right now. I don't know where everybody works, but I say, God, Get them, get them by the tail, Father. Keep them in track today. Let their hearts be protected. And Lord, let them sing a song. Let them think of your word. Let them begin to feel blessed today and be drawn to you, God. And I'm telling you, prayer works is what I'm trying to tell you. Prayer works. Don't ever doubt the power of prayer. Do we have anybody that believes in prayer in this building today? Come on, is there anybody that believes that prayer is the answer, that prayer, God still hears prayer? Is there anybody in this building that understands that God responds to prayer? Somebody shout yes. God answers prayer. He answers our prayers and hears our cries. It was prayer that God responded to to bring Israel out of Egypt. It was prayer that brought the answer to Esther to set God's people free. It was prayer that saved the three Hebrew children, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, from being burned in the fire. It was prayer that caused Daniel to become intergestion and a thought of it to the lions. They couldn't think about it. They thought, man, if I eat that, I'm going to have a bad tummy ache. Made him unattractive, unsavory. It was prayer that protected Daniel. It was prayer that got David back on the throne when he should have been exiled, kicked out for what he did. But by the mercy of God, prayer works. Prayer works. It was prayer that led Joseph to go to Bethlehem, then to Nazareth, then to Egypt, and get him to a safe place eventually because somebody prayed. And it was prayer that got all of you in this church house here today because somebody lifted up their voice and said, Lord, bring them into the house of God. Don't ever underestimate the power of a praying mama. Don't underestimate the power of a praying wife. Don't underestimate the power of a praying grandma or grandpa. See, love. You want to know why nobody else can pray for you like mama? Because mama, there's nobody else that loves you more than mama. That's what makes your prayers more effective. You want to know why your husband is the best prayer partner you can have or your wife is the best prayer partner their husband can have is because they ought to love each other more than anybody else loves them. And I want, I'm going to tell you something. When I'm in trouble, 
I call this little lady right here. I call my son. I call my daughters. I call them up next on the line. I call my sister Denise up, and I tell her, Denise, pray for me. Because I, I know the people that love me and care about me. I understand that God moves through people through love. So he was trying to tell the church, greater love has no man than this, to lay down his life. And if you do what I ask of you, you're my friends because because you're going to do what I'm supposed to do. You're going to help me. We're going to work together. We're going to see lives change. I, I want to see, you know, if, if I think if God had a voice today, I think God would say, I, I want to bless your family. If I'm going to recite the Bible, I'm going to simply say the word of God says that he wants you and your house to serve him. That he wants your entire family to be set free. That he wants you to walk in the liberty, not live in prison bars of emotions and addictions and things in your life. He wants you to live a good life, a free life, a life of favor to prosper you in every area of your life, even as your soul prospers. God wants the best for you. Somebody say, prayer works. And when you touch God in prayer, God touches you with love. The greatest commandment he told them in Matthew 22 and 36 was when the Pharisees and Sadducees asked him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You should and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and the great commandment. And the second is likened unto it, which is very important. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, that's what it's all about. What's our motive and our driving force for this 21 days of fasting starting tomorrow? We don't care how you do it. No one's going to judge you. But do something. But our whole, dri our whole drive is to become more like him. And for us to honestly declare from our hearts and tell the world, he is greater than me. He is greater than me. And he has something better for me. And he has something better for you. I want to see God move in 2018. But our motive has to be pure and right. Nothing more and nothing less than to seek the love of God and to love others as we love ourselves. Then God can move and do miracles, signs, and wonders like we want him to do in a sovereign way I'm talking a sovereign way to love him when you start loving on God and you start decreasing and watching him increase things will begin to happen in your life God will begin to take control of your life God will send a blessing your way when you didn't even know it was even going to happen that way or blow your mind I'm telling you I'm telling you God blesses that kind of stuff. He blesses your patience. He blesses your endurance. He blesses your faith. He blesses your heart. It's all about him. And so, and so let me leave you with this scripture as you stand to your feet. I want you to just look at this as you're standing. Matthew 18 and 14 says, therefore, whoever, say whoever. Say, turn to your neighbor and tell them that is you. That's talking about you. You are whoever. Therefore, whoever humbles themselves as a little child, as a little child, is the greatest, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You want to know 
where God taught me how to be a preacher. Can I tell you where God taught me how to be a preacher? It was in Sunday school. I didn't know anything about preaching. I told my pastor about it. He said, wonderful, start teaching Sunday school. I thought he was going to say, great, let me let you help us open up a service. So egotistical. But when God's wisdom comes in your life, he doesn't allow you to take shortcuts on certain processes. But I've learned that fasting brings faster results for the process. So when I started teaching children, I'm going to tell you something. Something hit me, and I saw little lives changed. Oh, when you teach children, when you talk to children, they believe you when it comes to the Bible. I remember teaching those kids in Sunday school, and I remember telling them, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much, and if you want him to feel his love, lift up your hearts, hearts with your hands. And I see little kids lifting up their hands, lifting up their voices, start crying because they felt the love of God in their life. Kids have no problem. We get into the adult part now of Sunday school. I tell you, God loves you, and you go, yeah, whatever. My daddy didn't love me. I don't think God can love me back, or I don't feel loved right now. I don't feel like loving. But a child, but a child, they'll believe anything God tells them. If you tell a child God can heal, a child will believe God can heal. You teach a child to pray for somebody, they'll start praying for people, and God will use them. I've seen God use children because they're so innocent in their heart, and they're so filled with faith, and they can receive the love of God. You can love on a child, and they're easy to love whenever they feel it's safe. I just, I never lost that impression in my mind how kids can be so passionate and believe so much about the love of God and experience it faster than adults can. But if you would just allow yourself to become a child again and just go after him for the love of it. Go after him for the love of it. You're going to see things begin to happen in your life. I can honestly tell you I never would have been here or in this place had it not been for love. Had it not been for somebody either loving me, one of those two commandments, for the love of God or for somebody else loving me like they would love themselves. It was love that brought me here. And it's because somebody denied themselves and they were tender enough to God and felt what God felt towards people. God loves everyone. God loves everybody. Not everybody's lovable. Not everybody wants to be loved, but God loves everybody. And if you'll surrender to God, he'll give you the wisdom and the know-how to how to break that barrier, and you'll see a breakthrough in your life when you see a breakthrough in your own heart. God is able. <laughs> Can we lift up our hands right here? I'm done. I'm done. I just want... Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.